healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. It's estimated that 25 million adults and children in the U.S. have asthma, and this disease is becoming more widespread. So today we're answering your top questions about asthma with Dr. Edward Carter. He's a pediatric pulmonologist and a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health. Dr. Carter, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. If you can, explain to us what actually is asthma and how does that work? Asthma is a disease of the bronchial tubes. That And the bronchial tubes are those tubes that bring air to your lungs. So if you envision a tree with branches, and as they branch out, they go into leaves. That's what the bronchial tubes look like. They start with the big bronchial tube, your trachea, split off into bronchial tubes to your right and left lungs, and then they branch out. And at the end of those branches are little air sacs. And that's how we bring air into our lungs and get rid of carbon dioxide. With asthma, those bronchial tubes get irritated and swollen and then people with asthma have difficulty moving air through those bronchial tubes. So bronchial tubes have a lining, just like the lining in your nose. And you can imagine when you get a cold or allergies, your nose swells up and you have trouble breathing through it. The same thing can happen to your bronchial tubes. And when they get swollen, you have difficulty moving air through them. And they can also make mucus so that you can have a wet cough with asthma. And to make matters even worse, there's muscles around the bronchial tubes And when the airways get irritated with asthma, those muscles go into spasm and they make the bronchial tube even narrower. So in an asthma attack, the bronchial tube is not only swollen and irritated with mucus in it, but the muscles cause spasm and narrow the bronchial tube further. And that just makes it very difficult to move air through it. Imagine breathing uh, through a straw. That's what happens when the bronchial tubes get narrowed. So what causes asthma and why do some people have it and others don't? Well, that's a very good question. Despite asthma being extremely common and a lot of research going into it, we still do not know why some people get asthma and some don't. We know it runs in families. There's a genetic component, but we, we know a lot more about how asthma causes trouble in the body. So what happens is you have these airways and in a normal person, they don't get irritated and inflamed by certain what we call triggers. But in people with asthma, they're prone to have those airways react to things like getting a cold, a head cold, an infection, or inhaling an al- something that they're allergic to. Or even th- simple things like weather changes can cause those bronchial tubes to get swollen and irritated. And the way that happens is we have cells in our body, part of the immune system, that sort of get turned on, and then chemicals in the body get secreted and put into the bloodstream. These go to the bronchial tubes, and these are inflammatory mediators. They, they cause the airway to swell. We don't really know why some people tend to turn on that system, while others don't. But that's what asthma is. It's inflammation of these airways triggered by these chemicals that are released by cells that are in your body. and there are many, many triggers for asthma, one of which is allergies. 
that was my next question is, it, it, you know, it does sound very similar to maybe some of the symptoms you could have with allergies. So what's the difference between allergies and asthma? Well, allergies, if you talk about hay fever and itchy eyes and stuffy nose, the type of allergies we get from, in, from inhaling pollens and things like that, there's a specific mechanism by which that happens in the body. You, if you're allergic to something, you inhale it, let's say, and it gets into your body. The body recognizes that as a foreign substance, and then various cells in the body release inflammatory mediators that cause the allergic reaction. So that sounds a lot like asthma. The difference is in asthma, you, it does not need to be an allergen. It doesn't have to be a pollen or a cat or dog. It can be a lots of other things other than allergies that bring out the inflammatory process. So allergies are a trigger for asthma, and they're very closely related because lots of people with asthma, especially children, have allergies too. But the actual inflam inflammatory process that goes on in the bodies can be a little bit different. If you're just tuning in with us, we're talking with Dr. Edward Carter with District Medical Group and Valleywise Health about asthma. You can make an in-person or telehealth visit with Dr. Carter or another provider by video or phone at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. So Dr. Carter, when I was preparing for this show a little bit, I read online that asthma rates are rising. Do we know why that might be? Asthma rates are, are just high in general. They, they haven't risen so much over the past couple of years, but over the past 20 years, they have definitely risen. Part of that's due to better diagnosis. We just were more aware of asthma now than we were 20, 30 years ago. We make the diagnosis more frequently. So part of the, the increase in prevalence is just diagnosis, but there are other things that are associated. We know that air pollution can bring out asthma as well as sometimes make you predisposed to it. So we have a lot of air pollution, especially in Phoenix, we have a, a, a big problem with air pollution, both in the winter and the uh, summer. And then it's, we don't really know exactly why the prevalence has increased, but we know that in urban societies, it tends to go up and in crowding. And part of that is you get a lot more respiratory infections, and those respiratory infections can bring out asthma. So if you're really crowded in, not spread out like in a rural setting, you're more prone to get infected with things, including plain old head cold viruses. That's really interesting. So if someone has severe asthma, would they, would, you know, sometimes would a doctor recommend that they actually live somewhere else? That's a really good question because that, that comes up all the time. And the answer to that is it's really hard to know where specific person with asthma is going to do better or do worse. For instance, you can move from Texas to Arizona and your asthma might get a lot better, but it could get a lot worse and vice versa. So it's really hard to predict who's going to do well where. It's better to treat the asthma rather than try to move to avoid it. Um, it's uh, Sometimes if you know that you've lived in a certain state and done and with that, and you've, your asthma has been great, and then you move to another state and it's been horrible, then you can make a decision based on that. But for the most part, it's bad everywhere. So I, I feel like you might have mentioned this, but I'm not quite sure. Are there different types of asthma, and what would those be? Yeah, but that's another really good question, and that's been studied pretty thoroughly over the last 20 or 30 years, and we still don't don't have an answer for that. Asthma is sort of a general term for this airways inflammation. And so we see that in 
little toddlers as well as adults, there are certain asthma is broken down into certain categories. So there's allergic asthma, which is common in children, where most of the if you have asthma, you also have a real tendency towards allergies. That's sort of your standard asthma um, and the most common. But you can have adults who have no allergies whatsoever, zero, and they have really bad asthma. And that asthma doesn't respond very well to our asthma medicines. So that's a different type of asthma. It's still airways inflammation, but the way that inflammation happens in the body is different from the way it happens in, let's say, allergic asthma. And then we have a subgroup of little children, ages 18 months to four years, who just get asthma when they get a head cold. And they don't have allergies, but the head cold triggers this inflammatory process in the body that causes asthma. Excuse me. And that's, that's, we, sometimes we call that toddler asthma or infant asthma, and that can be a little different from your typical allergic asthma in an older child as well. You know, since you brought up toddler asthma, I'll tell you my personal story. So we have a foster daughter living with us, and she was two when she moved in. Um, you know, we weren't there for her first two years, so we don't know all of her history, but we were told she had acute severe asthma, and she came with a nebulizer and um, inhalers, and so we were told to do that nebulizer every night. Um, and we did it consistently um, for several months, but we never noticed any asthmatic symptoms. Um, maybe at first we could hear something in her lungs, but after after a couple of weeks, we never heard anything. So after about six months, we brought it up to the doctor and um, they recommended we actually stop the treatment um, because, you know, as far as we could tell, she was fine and it's possible she grew out of it. Um, but I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Many young children with asthma will will not have trouble day in and day out. They'll tend to have trouble when they get a cold or maybe with a weather change. And especially toddlers, they have trouble with plain old head cold. So it's quite possible that she had severe asthma attacks triggered by colds. But in between those colds, she was perfectly well. And daily asthma therapy wouldn't really make a difference. But if she got a cold again, maybe she would have a bad attack. Now, Lots of toddlers will outgrow that, usually by three to four years of age. So it may be that she had a lot of trouble in the first two years, and then she just outgrew it. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Pediatric pulmonologist Dr. Edward Carter is answering your top questions about asthma and allergies. You can make an in-person or a telehealth visit by video or phone with a district medical group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org. So while we're on the topic of kids, you know, I I guess I most commonly hear about asthma in children. Is it true that it's more common in children and people kind of grow out of it as they get older? Uh, actually, it's it's true that you can outgrow it, even though that's probably not the right term. I like to say it becomes quiet. But mm-hmm. asthma, there is many, uh, the percentage of adults with asthma is about the same as okay. for children. So it's just common. About in Arizona, between 10 and 14% of every adult likely has some asthma. And uh, it's about 10% of all children. That's how common it is. Now, that doesn't mean it's all severe. It can be very mild, but asthma can go from life-threatening severe attacks to just mild coughing that you put up with and don't even get diagnosed. So it's common in both. The problem with adults is that there's lots of other breathing 
problems that adults can have, like emphysema, uh, smoking-related, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And sometimes the asthma gets lost in that, or it's a mixture of the two. So um, the diagnosis may not be as clear in adults, but adults can get asthma. They can develop it as adults. My wife had no asthma, allergies, or anything as a child. She has asthma now as an adult. Um, but but let's talk a little bit about how you can um, outgrow it. So that's a big question for f- families who have children with asthma. Is, is it going to get better? So if you look at children with asthma and what happens as they get towards adult life, about a quarter of those children with asthma diagnosis children will be qui- become quiescent or not have any asthma symptoms as an adult. So that's a quarter. About half will have asthma as an adult, but it won't be as bad as it was when they were a child. And about a quarter will actually go on to have asthma that may be more problematic as an adult. It's really hard to predict which group uh, somebody's going to fall into, but we do know that if you have fairly mild asthma and it gets milder as you get towards your teenage years, you have a better chance of outgrowing it than if you have severe asthma attacks going into your teenage years. Is there anything people can do to reduce the risk of an asthma attack? Yes, there are quite a few things you can do. Uh, the first is is don't smoke cigarettes or other things because smoke is a big time irritant and can cause asthma. The other is uh, try to avoid places where you're going to bound to get a head cold. So. Children have to go to daycare, they have to go to school, but if you know that there's a bunch of sick people in school and your child has bad asthma and it's a preschool that maybe you can avoid until the infection risk decreases, you can think about that. Um, You can avoid uh, things that trigger asthma. So unfortunately, it's hard to avoid a weather change. And believe it or not, weather change is a big trigger for asthma. When the weather gets hot to cold, uh, nobody really knows why, but some people think it's barometric pressure changes. You can't avoid that, but you can avoid allergens. So if you know that you react to cats or dogs, try to avoid them. If you know you have a lot of pollen allergies then you or allergies to grass, don't go play in the grass when you know you're, it's prime grass season. Right. It seems like common sense, but it's definitely a good reminder. Dr. Edward Carter with District Medical Group is talking to us all about asthma, and you can make an appointment with a provider, um, a District Medical Group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 or by visiting us online at valleywisehealth.org. So you mentioned about outdoor pollution, but I'm wondering if indoor air pollution is something that people should worry about and what could people do about that? Yes. uh the, the primary sources, first, outdoor pollution can make you prone to develop asthma, and it can make your asthma worse, and it can make you prone to have an asthma attack. That's true for indoor pollution, too. The primary source of indoor pollution is a wood, a wood-burning device, like a wood-burning fireplace or a wood-burning stove. Now, we're pretty warm in Arizona, so we don't have a lot of wood-burning stoves for heat, but we, we just still have fireplaces, and we have fire pits. And that wood smoke creates particulate matter that's quite irritating. So if you live in a home that's burning wood in the home, that could definitely trigger asthma. Um, That's been very well shown in multiple studies. 
What about pets or, you know, dander or even, you know, people, people's dust that comes from skin cells and stuff like that yeah. indoors? So we'll talk about dust first, because fortunately in Arizona, dust or dust mite, because it's actually a little bug that lives with the dust, it's called a dust mite. And it's that proteins in that little bug that create the allergies. But dust mite's a huge problem in the United States, but it likes moist, humid, cooler weather. So we do not have a big dust mite problem in here, in, in Arizona. However, we love our animals and we have lots and lots of dogs. And yep. both dogs and cats uh, have quite a, can be, you can be quite allergic to them. And they spend a lot of time indoors because it's so hot. So if you're allergic to dogs or cats, you may not even react with itchy eyes and sneezing. But if you actually have a reaction to them in asthma, you could be inhaling this, their dander and the proteins in their dander and triggering low-grade asthma without even thinking that you're really having much of an allergy problem to them. So that's a big issue. I, I have had a couple of children who have put, dealt with their own pets pretty well, but then the pet has puppies or kittens and the kittens love to play and jump all over you and that overwhelmed them and they get admitted to the hospital with these severe asthma attacks not so much triggered by their own pet to which they're allergic but because they have now all these little puppies or kittens jumping all over them so but be aware of that it's not just having one animal it's how how often you're exposed to that animal and how many animals you have you would never think these little innocent puppies and kittens could be so dangerous. They, they definitely can. And now it's always tricky if you have a reaction, whether by skin testing or there's actually allergy blood testing you can do. But if you have a reaction that's fairly strong to an animal and you have asthma, the question is, what do I do? Because I don't want to give up my beloved pet. And the answer is, it depends on how bad your asthma is. If you have life-threatening asthma with severe attacks, you have a tough decision to make. If you have very mild asthma, you can sort of deal with it and and just be aware that your pets may be causing a problem. So do simple things like don't let that pet sleep on your bed. Or if you're spending a lot of time in a certain room, don't let that pet jump on the same couch as you. But um, it all depends on how severe your asthma is and how you react. Most of the time, I recommend keeping the pets and trying to do some avoidance measures. Well, that's nice. I'm glad you're a pet lover too. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's a wide range of asthma attacks, I guess you would say, from mild to life-threatening. So what are some of the symptoms and warning signs that a serious asthma attack might be coming on? Yeah. So let's first talk about what are the signs of asthma because it's probably correct to say that about 25% of people that have asthma may never be di formally diagnosed with it because it could be so mild. So asthma is irritation of the airways. The first thing when the airways get irritated is coughing. So a lot of coughing, coughing that lasts a long time, coughing that doesn't seem to be associated with a cold, but doesn't go away after a couple of weeks, coughing that gets much worse with a cold and lasts for like a week, three weeks to a month, Coughing in the middle of the night. Asthma gets worse in the middle of the night. So if you are fine during the day and every night you're waking up in the middle of the night with some chest tightness and coughing, that would be consistent with asthma. So the first thing is you can just have a lot of coughing with asthma and not a lot of breathing problems. 
The next is wheezing. If you get short of breath with exercise and you actually feel yourself getting tight in the chest and making sort of wheezy, whistly sounds, that would be consistent with the airways narrowing and asthma. And then if the airways get mucus in them, you get this wet, junky cough that sounds like bronchitis, but you're not coughing up green stuff, you're coughing up white stuff, and that could just be the mucus from an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. So the, the signs of a severe attack are you, your airways are now narrowed and you can't move air through them. So you have a heart, you feel very short of breath, you start breathing hard, and you have trouble getting air out of your lungs. That has to be a terrifying feeling. Yeah, fortunately, I do not have asthma, but I have family members who do. And, um, and I've certainly taken care of many, many children with severe attacks. And they're troopers, they put up with it, but it's, it's really hard. And I've had a couple who are really seriously ill who just look at me and say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And you know that those airways are really narrowing down. So the thing about asthma is that it's very common. Almost everybody knows somebody who has it, but it's not the same from one person to the next. So one person might have a severe attack once a year and no problem in between. Another might cough every week, but have no severe attacks. Some have very mild symptoms and they're not in danger. And others have life-threatening episodes where if they don't really pay attention, they could end up not being able to breathe and could die from it. Well, that was my question is, you know, if asthma goes untreated, what could happen and can it lead to other health issues down the road? It, there's a lot of debate as to what happens uh, with the airways if they go untreated. We know the medicines that we use to treat asthma control the symptoms and can make you better at that time, but they don't cure it. They don't change the natural course. But if you have bad asthma with airway irritation and narrowing that goes untreated, it's possible those airways will get fixed and narrowed, meaning it won't be a reversible process anymore. So if you have severe asthma as a child that's untreated, aside from the risk of a lot of symptoms and disability and possibly life-threatening asthma attacks, you may go on to have fixed airway narrowing as an adult that could make you more prone to get some of the adult uh, lung diseases like COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Uh, but the most uh, serious problem with not treating is that you're symptomatic. You're not going to be able to play sports. You are waking up every night so you don't get good sleep. You're in the emergency room because you're having an asthma attack. So if you treat asthma, you can control it. You can reverse all the airway swelling and you can live a normal life. Right. So my last question for you is about COVID-19. Um, how has this pandemic affected your patients? Um, and are they more susceptible to COVID-19 because of their respiratory illness? Yeah, so I, I can speak to children, and it's a little bit different from adults. So with children, as we know, they don't get as sick with COVID-19. And I can say that of the viruses that children get, COVID-19 has not been a big trigger for asthma. So a typical head cold with rhinovirus, if you get that, you don't get very sick, but it triggers bad asthma attacks. COVID-19 makes you sick, and it, when it makes you sick, it's because you get infected with the virus and get pneumonia, but it does not tend to trigger asthma attacks in children. So there are lots of children getting COVID-19 with minimal symptoms, and it's not triggering their asthma. That's the good news. The bad news is that COVID-19 in any age 
but especially teenagers and, and adults, can cause a, a severe pneumonia. And if you happen to have asthma in addition to your severe pneumonia, and if your asthma especially has not been controlled, now you got the double whammy and you're going to get sicker. Dr. Edward Carter, pediatric pulmonologist at Valley Wise Health, uh, all about asthma today. Thank you so much for your time. Really good information that um, hopefully will help a lot of parents and um, adults with asthma. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of information. So if you missed any of today's show, it will be available as a podcast. Um, we'll also have a blog that you can check out on valleywisehealth.org. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Via Salute, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you've heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.